Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Thank you very much for being here with me today on this podcast episode, YZ. I am thrilled to have you. I've been very excited about uh, talking to you and getting to know you a little bit more. Of course, we know each other from the podcast fellowship that we did together over the summer, and we have both had a lot of fun and a lot of pain, of course, launching our podcasts. <laughs> and. So and through this uh, shared experience, we've uh, created uh, quite a bond. Thank you so much. I am so honored to be here today. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your childhood? Because you are not from the U.S. You are originally from China. Yes. I was born in Shanghai uh, in the late 1980s. Everything was kind of a blur, but you also know that you don't have much to live with. There is no consumerism back in China then, and you have very little sense of fashion <laughs> back then. <laughs> uh, none of my parents, they are college graduates. They are just very plain. They were from the Chinese Cultural Revolution era, which means that my dad, he never graduated from high school. And my mom, she never really graduated from college. But then raised by these two amazing people who are very nurturing. But at the same time, because they're struggling with their own marriage, their own life, their own finance. Because my mom, she was uh, let go in the early 19. 90s because of the open door policy by Deng Xiaoping, which is the Chinese president then. I remember she felt very vulnerable then. And uh, being the child of family, because I lived with my mom, my dad, and my paternal grandparents in this uh, 750 square feet houses, uh, you know, a little apartment. Mm -hmm. And we only have one bathroom back then. It's already a luxury, but you only, but if you have three people, that's fine. But you are living under just tight quarters. So that makes life even more dramatic. My paternal grandmother, she has mental illness. But the thing that I remember most was I was uh, abused during those years when my parents were racing to their job and I was alone with my um, grandpa uh, grandmother mm -hmm. and when she was preparing food for me for breakfast um, she would hit me oh my goodness yeah I told nobody why did you not tell anyone because I felt shame my parents they were already dealing with supporting me and then my dad, he's also supporting um, this larger family, my, meaning my grandparents. Mm -hmm. It was very painful, you know, to be the kid, to be the glue of my family, not just my parents' marriage, but also to um, feel this responsibility as this kid that, okay, I need to be good. 
I need to not make trouble. I was always this kid who want my parents to laugh. It makes me so happy to see them laugh. Where did to- that where, where did that burden of feeling like you had to be the glue, you had to be the uh, constant and you had to maybe repress certain feelings. Where do you think that came from? I think I was always this very precocious child when I grew up. So everything I would internalize and make it my own. So my mom was always someone um, who would say, oh, what if I divorce you? So when I hear divorce, it's unthinkable. But in China, divorce is something that is a stigma. Is That would be something that people would talk uh, in your back, especially back in the mm. early 1990s. You mentioned at the top of the interview that you did feel very nurtured by your parents. So how were you feeling in terms of your personal relationship, how they were with you? So I remember because my dad, he's a um, chauffeur for state-owned company, the top guy Mm -hmm. throughout his career. Mm Everybody else is on bicycles. I was in cars, so I was able to move around a city. I was able to see most part of Shanghai. So my dad was sort of earning the top dollar for his role. Actually, my my parents' finance was pretty good for what we call the working class. Mm-hmm. And I would make stories for myself. I felt like a princess, even though I had short hair, even though... I don't wear a lot of dresses, but I felt that I had a pretty good life. What was the genesis of your writing? Was it from your childhood experiences? Can you say something more about that? That's actually very insightful. Writing is something that I learned to do when I had no answer. I didn't have a therapist until I come to the U.S., Mm -hmm. And it's something that you just learn to uh, swallow your feeling. You, you just learn to internalize all those things. So I had journals. I still keep a journal. So you have to have something to cope with the status quo, either through reading novels. I read, I read a lot when I was a young kid. And I want to process my feelings, so I start to write. What were your parents' expectations around your education, your approach to being educated, and what would happen when you were done? My parents are very hands-off, in a way that they're very American. Mm. (laughs) My grandparents, they moved out when I was um, 11, 12 years old. It was then that I found joy in a household. It was then that I found that I get to connect with my parents on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. It was an understanding in the household that I was good at English, but they never say that, oh, you need to become an English major in college. If They were always very supportive of my choice. They had this such amazing belief in me. They would never say, oh, this is not what a girl should behave. So Shanghai has a very interesting subculture that I need to point out. Shanghai women are known to be independent. 
opinionated right after I graduated from college. I took a job as a general manager assistant in this GPS company. This is a very good job because who knows what, you know, maybe I was on the way to be a general manager, which is sort of the, the path back in China. But I was very unhappy. I felt that this is not the role for me, but somehow everybody was thinking that, oh, this is the right thing to do. Everybody else was saying that. So that was the only time my parents were very, very worried. Actually, to lower my salary, to lower the title. What was the job shift? Sales manager assistant. But the reason that I want to when that I want to go to that company was because at a time they were making a talk show, which is in English, and it's about how to do business in China. And I was so impressed. The show was 15 minutes per episode. And I found it very refreshing, even though it was aired on the Chinese YouTube with no more than 200 views per episode. Mm -hmm. But I saw its potential. I felt the need to grow, right? So they saw the reason, the purpose behind my change. So now they're on board, right? So we had this long conversation after they calmed down. Because if I say yes to money right now, I will say yes to money forever. Hmm. That's very myopic, I would say. Yes. So within three months, I actually got onto that project and I became first assistant, a producer assistant, and then I became assistant producer. And by the time that I left the company, I became the associate producer. Did you feel it was worth it then? Were, were you feeling fulfilled? Yes, very much so, because um, I worked with her for a year on that project. I made a change for her when I worked for her on this role. But what I've learned most is because that was my second job after I graduated from college. And then the third and the fourth job are all spun off from the time when I was there because I got to talk to the CEOs and presidents of those those renowned brands and companies that I really, really admire. When did the idea of moving to the United States come mm. into fruition? At, at the age of 22 or even younger, I knew that I would go to the U.S., but I cannot bear the thought of not helping my parents again before I make that leap. I see. Because I, yeah, because I knew that I would need my parents full-on support once I go to the U.S. So... For me, taking those jobs were a way to help my family. I became so unsatisfied, so unhappy when I was in those jobs, right? So I became that kid again. And I felt, oh my gosh, I I felt so, so much burden. I felt so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I felt that, is that what I've become? Is that, so by not chasing the money, when I took the second job, I ended up chasing money, chasing fame, you know, chasing title. Yes, it was a different trip. Yeah. Yes. So come back to 
the hinge moment where I felt I need to change. 2013, China had this huge, another huge earthquake in Sichuan province. And the marketing manager in Beijing, she was not available. So she gave me a call out of blue and say, hey, can you help us to go to that earthquake earthquake stricken area and do, and you know give out some goods to those local kindergartens and without doing any research I said yes so I be, so I came back to Shanghai with became a woman on a mission so I started a campaign which is called table chair and mats for kindergartens in Sichuan and then long story short I raised enough money to, to, I think around 30 grand US dollars, right? So I felt that if I put my mind to something, I can accomplish something huge. So that was the shift in my mindset. And I had this voice whispering in my head and say, you can do something different. You can change. You can get unstuck by becoming the, the change agent in your life. And I asked myself, so what do I really want to do? So what I did for those kids in the Sichuan province, I was basically telling their stories. Hmm. And I thought, okay, so I'm a good storyteller. Can I do something more about it? Because I was starting another side gig for this lifestyle magazine in Shanghai, and I was contributing uh, articles to them. Not only had you never given up writing privately, but you were also doing it somewhat professionally. Yeah, right. So I love writing, and then I love films. And I asked myself whether I can put this two into one thing for my next move. And here we go. Eureka moment, screenwriting. That became this whole journey which brought me to the U.S., yeah. <laughs> so how did you go about practically finding the right program? And then what was it like making such a huge transition from one culture to another to pursue your dream? I was a very good researcher, I still am. And I know from my research that I, there are two best film schools on the East Coast, and then there are two best or three best film schools on the West Coast. Right, so I narrowed it down to four schools. So there were a lot of self-doubt. I want to make a rockets. And you felt like you had to really prove yourself. Yes, and because I've told the world, at least my world in Shanghai, right, I already... I already burned all the bridges. I've already mm -hmm. quit my job. I've already did this and do that. Mm -hmm. And it's just too much. But then somehow UCLA <laughs> give me their acceptance. I remember I felt very anxious. Actually, I've been anxious since then. I have this tendency to think too far ahead. I couldn't live in the moment, couldn't enjoy the moment. 
because I felt that I'm always this troubleshooters, even though I'm very great at doing it. So is this so, when you pursued therapy? Yeah, I pursued therapy first is because I was curious because the Chinese aspect of me is resisting seeking help. So it's mm, that. So a sign kind, of weakness. Yeah, it's that kind of thing still looming over me because, given my family history, given my grandmother's situation, and what I found is it's something that can be helpful. Once a week was never enough, but what can you do? And and then after I graduated, I still wanted to pursue therapy, but. It was too ridiculous in terms of the time it was allotted to me as a client, meaning that they only give me twenty-five minutes. So, and then it's not close to my either to my office or to where I live. So, and then what I did was I found a trainer. <laughs> yeah. So it became exercise as your therapy. Yeah. What would you say has been the most surprising thing that you've learned about yourself in your journey? The three years that I have been in the U.S. has been the most surprising discovery about my true self. Originally, I thought I was a strong woman and I can solve all the problems in my life. And now,、uh, to the benefit of your listeners, I have to go back to Shanghai because of my visa situation.、Mm. What I've discovered is the darkest side of myself that I haven't seen before. But then that's part of me. For me, the most surprising thing: I am this vulnerable and I'm this strong at the same time. You know, I used to think that life and our worldview is binary. It took me a long time to realize that oh, it's not one way or the other.、Mm-hmm. And it's more like this yin yang. I can be articulate, but at the same time, I can silence myself so much. I can just stifle my own feelings and my own thoughts, and not to share with anyone. Your podcast is called Rock Bottom with YC. So was、yeah. all of this the inspiration for that? Yes, it's because. I felt that I, I want to learn more perspective from other people about how they deal with rock bottom, how they deal with their own demons, and then I felt that my way is not working for me, and I was suffering, and how I can learn from other people while I'm not while I'm not able to pay for therapy, maybe I can learn from other people's perspective by doing my own podcast.、Mm. Yeah, it's and have you found that to be true so far? Yes, yes. It's it comes in two ways. First is you sit down with this person and start to learn from their journey, their perspective, and then when you sit down again with this raw footage, I、uh, know with this raw,、uh, what do you call it, the the sound bites,、mm-hmm. and then you try to edit to try to make a coherent. Narrative from editing, and you are learning again through this new lens. And I think it is so helpful. 
to come back to that question about what I find most surprising about myself or about this journey is that I learn a new perspective to look at things because from my own culture, which is the Chinese culture, is that you are either genius you or you are average Jane or average Joe. You are a public figure that is worthy, that is entitled to be heard, or you cannot. You don't have the right to be heard. Hmm. But when I come over to the U.S., when I come over to this vibrant community in L.A., even though it can be very vain, <laughs> it can be it can be very pretentious. But at the same time, you see people trying to churning out new materials, new ideas, new content. Not because they are entitled, not because they are so creative, not because they are famous, but because they can. Right. So I have this that shaming talk. I have that ego talk in my head, but. Because now I have this new voice that is sprouting out of my body that is saying that, hey, you can, you actually can share. So what are you going to do with that new voice when you go back to China? I'm going to keep, keep nurturing it because now I know that that's part of me too. I know that no matter how, how many people are listening, I can still keep going because my voice is beautiful. My voice is important, if not to a lot of people, but to some people they are. So when I go back to China, I think that it can be a new wave of drive, a new wave of identity that can help me to empower people back in China, maybe back in Shanghai. Let's you know start from baby steps. And then you have another wave of thinking, which is, wow, she used to be one of us. She used to be just our next door neighbor. She used to be my classmate. She used to be my colleague. She used to be some friend whom is just like me with my background. I don't know what she did, but now she is so brave. Mm. She is doing something that, that what I'm thinking about doing. Maybe I can do that too. To help someone else. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This has been an incredibly fulfilling time spent talking to you and getting to know more about you. Your story has been, it has inspired me, I can say, and I'm sure it will inspire others. I have no doubt. So my final question to you is, what is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? My own version would be accepting who you are and be okay with who you are. We all want to be somebody else, some, something else, something more. It's not enough. We are always looking outwardly. When can we start look inwardly and find strength mm-hmm. within ourselves? Mm-hmm. Thank you so very much for sharing your time with me. Well, thank you for being so patient. This is gold. This is gold. Thank you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. Thank you. And now it's time for practical tips. Body tip, get enough exercise, it's good for you. Mind tip, embrace a new challenge. Spirit tip, take a lesson from YZ. Take a leap, be brave. What are you waiting for? Don't delay. Thanks for listening. See you next time.